What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. And I appreciate everyone that's tuning in. Um, went live last week. Going to go live again this week. Likely have one more show this week. Before, you know, it's the two-week period right before training camp, and this is like an exciting period, really, where we're starting the build-up. We're starting to get to really the most crucial portion of this part of the off-season, of Phase 3, I believe it is. Real quick, want to give a shout-out to the guys that tuned in before the stream started. Ryan, where are you at? Well, I'm here. Took a little bit. New setup here on Restream, but we're here, and we're ready. Kali, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in as well. But we're starting off with the 49ers. We're starting off with training camp. And that's where I've got to just tell you guys uh, what's going on with training camp. And some news came out today. The 49ers have announced the nine open training camp practices for this summer. We've it, Training camp, believe I believe it starts on the 25th. That is not an open practice. But the next two days are open, Wednesday, July 26th, Thursday, July 27th. Then we've got one on Sunday, July 30th, Monday, July 31st, Tuesday, July, uh, August 1st, excuse me. We've got an off day on Wednesday, have practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday of that week, off day Sunday, and then practice on Monday. And I believe the 49ers have one after that or – I, I, no, it's joint practices after that with the Las Vegas Raiders on the 10th and 11th of that week ahead of the opener for preseason on Sunday, August 13th. Last year, I believe it was 11 open practices. This year, only nine. And, um, you know, it could have been the 49ers canceling some, looking for some uh, not to be as open. But we've got nine practices. They all start at 10.15 a.m., just like last season. And I'm glad to announce that I will likely be there at, barring on any unfortunate or unforeseen circumstances, will likely be there at all of the training camp practices for this year, just like I was last year. So I hope you guys stay tuned with the channel. Be sure to hit the notification bell, like, and subscribe, because last year was able to pump out a lot of content training camp time, answered all of your guys' questions. Be sure to give them to me on Twitter and here on YouTube when we go live going to answer all your questions, going to talk about exactly how I see it from training camp. And my way of viewing it, 
I'm unbiased. I, I just call it as I see it. If a player doesn't play well, I'll call it out. If a player doesn't play great, I'll call it out. And I love to provide context. You guys can go see my practice reports from last year. That's kind of my MO. And so I'm excited for training camp, definitely. Two weeks away, and that is going to be on the docket for sure. But our first topic of the day doesn't come from training camp, but rather an interesting uh, exchange, I believe, yesterday or or earlier today it was uh, posted where CBS Sports' Zach Gelb had a conversation, a interview here with Debo Samuel. For those of you with some background, Samuel agreed apparently to go on his show. Zach Gelb is a Philadelphia-based on-air show host. He... um, at least that's what it sounds like on uh like he he's a Philly based guy brought Debo on asked him about the quarterback situation and then began to ask him about his comments on the Philadelphia Eagles for those of you guys that don't remember Samuel did not have the most uh appreciative comments towards the Eagles after the NFC Championship game and before the NFC Championship game uh after the Super Bowl called dreams uh James Bradbury essentially uh called him not that great of a player you know he had the infamous holding penalty and you know there were some shots back and forth between Debo Samuel and company uh with the Philadelphia Eagles going into that week Samuel was asked about those comments and abruptly left the show now this is an interesting exchange now I have a couple of questions and I could see it a little bit from both sides but on Debo Samuel's part I am surprised that he wasn't prepared for this in terms of prepared for the potential uh, questions that could come about the Philadelphia Eagles, understanding the interviewer's background and also understanding that they were his comments. He's the one who agreed to do the show. And, you know, he if you don't want something happening on the show, as a guy who does this as well, before, you know, anytime we have an interview with a potential player or something like that, there are normally topics that we'll it's not that we'll discuss topics but i'll ask are there any topics you don't want to be discussed and if that's the case you know you leave them out that's a rare occurrence normally um players or interviewees are very very uh willing to answer most topics but in this case debo samuel decided to leave the show 10 minutes early in or five minutes into the show 10 minutes before he was supposed to exit because of those comments to me Debo Samuel, you've got to be able to, if that's the obligation that you're signing up for, if that's the obligation you agreed to, I don't think that um, he should have walked off there. And also, you know, I understand the countless questions about the quarterback situation that led to this. And I understand that. But it's also a part of being a part of this business and being agreeing to go on these shows, which in my opinion was the biggest question, him agreeing to go on these shows. And I think it's more so a slight towards media overall than this particular show host in terms of Samuel has been fed up with the media a little bit because the media has painted narratives about Debo Samuel, uh, especially after this past season, right? A guy who came into camp out of shape, a guy who, um, you know, wasn't healthy for the entirety of the 2022-23 season. And that hampered his production where he only produced 615 receiving yards as opposed to the 1,477 receiving yards that he produced in 2021 that led him to get the extension. And so I can understand some of the frustration, just unsure about the way that Debo Samuel went about it. 
didn't really have an issue with the way the interviewer went during the interview. Obviously, didn't have um, the best things to say about Debo Samuel after the interview, after Debo Samuel left. But an interesting situation here, and just another wrinkle between Debo Samuel and the media um, ahead of this offseason. But enough about that. That's just, you know, uh, just wanted to get my thoughts out on there after seeing that just a little bit before the show. Some other comments that we've seen recently, um, Trent Williams. Trent Williams, a guy who hasn't really been out in the media uh, that much this offseason, but Williams spoke with um, Aaron Wilson, a very well-known uh, a very well-known reporter, covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle, but also covers the NFL in a, uh, on a league-wide scope. It's very credible, has a lot of sources. Trent Williams spoke to Aaron Wilson and spoke about a couple of things. Amongst them, Brock Purdy. Obviously, Williams and Purdy, their first season together last year, they didn't really have much chemistry up until week 13 when Brock Purdy was inserted to the first-team offense. Purdy worked with the third-teamers in camp, worked with the second-teamers for a portion of the season, but only really worked with the first-teamers when he was inserted um, into you know, in, into the equation in Week 13. And Williams himself, well, he's a guy who has been teetering on the brink of retirement, but also looking to get that championship ring which was one of the reasons that he, uh, you know, looked to re-sign with the 49ers, looked to get that championship ring. And he talked about that he believes that his the, the 49ers, you know, optimistic about the chances to win the Super Bowl, got a good roster and things like that. But when you're talking about Brock Purdy itself, um, you know, he, Williams did say that, he's going through his rehab, doesn't know what's happening, but he's definitely a great guy, played great football, and he's looking forward to playing with Brock Purdy this upcoming season. And so, you know, nice to see, Not haven't heard too much on the Brock Purdy end because of the uh, surgery, because of the rehab, more so on the Lance and Darnold end from national and local media. But Williams here, it seems like he's ready for the upcoming season, and he yeah, he's looking forward to playing with Brock Purdy. Hopefully Purdy is ready by week one. But that leads me to, you know, a little bit of the training camp discussion. How do the 49ers approach the quarterback position in training camp? We've heard comments, like I've said, about all three quarterbacks at some point in the entirety of this, you know, offseason kind of scope. That's kind of the thing. And uh, so we've heard a lot about that. But how do the 49ers address the quarterback position at training camp. That's going to be one of their biggest questions, as you see on the thumbnail today. Before I answer, I want to give a shout-out to the guys that have joined in. Uh, 187-BBNG, Bang Bang Niner Gang, thank you for tuning in. Greg is Khan. Never ask a player about transactions. Those are for the GMs. This is a fair one. Um, I don't think he was asked, or he was at, Debo was asked about the quarterback situation, the Trey Lance question. That one was a little interesting after obviously going in depth about the development about Trey Lance. We'll get to that in a bit. But, you know, yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Gregus also says, I don't believe Williams is close to retiring. He'll play another three years. I'll get to this one after my response to the 49ers and their training camp situation. And 187 here says it's set up. Players and fans are getting sick of talking about last season. The boys are focused on winning a Super Bowl. And I agree. I mean, I tweeted about that, and that's why I said I can see both sides, right? There's frustration not only because of how last season went overall, but also in Samuel's case specifically, right? 
he said his season was awful when he looked on the tape and he didn't want to he vowed to not put it uh, on tape again he he kind of wants to put last season in, in in the back of his mind focus on this season and i totally understand that and i i mean as a player i'd have the very exactly the same mindset as debo samuel has it's just you're questioning a little bit understanding what his responsibility is going on to a show agreeing to do a radio show where the the background is about the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of the host and things like that. I think that those kind of questions kind of have to be expected a little bit. But back to the question at hand. How do the 49ers approach the quarterback position in training camp? Because you've got Sam Donald who has come out publicly and said, yeah, he's still learning the, the ropes of the 49ers offense, still in that learning phase a little bit, which many 49er fans have somewhat, not 49er fans, but may, media has somewhat, you know, let go and kind of, you know, not talked about as much, which is the fact that he, he does probably have solid potential in this offense, but it's still a learning phase in year one of a fairly complex offense, even for quarterbacks, a fairly complex offense in the Shanahan offense. On the other hand, you have Trey Lance. Lance, the issue with him, inconsistency and really inexperience. When he's on the field, which has been a very short sample size, has unfortunately been inconsistent more so with his accuracy than other aspects of the game, but unfortunately just hasn't had the experience. That's the big thing. Just hasn't had the experience. And then Brock Purdy. We don't really know exactly what the timeline is for Brock Purdy, but there have been hints that, you know, he could return around August 20th, which would be after the second preseason game in the week, preparing to the third preseason game. You got maybe a potential date for him there. And so 49ers have three interesting situations. How do they play it out? Got to drink your water, but excuse me. Let's start off with Darnold and, uh, Darnold and Lance. I think the 49ers have to go about it the way that they went about it in minicamp and get an extended look, which is someone reps to Darnold, someone reps to Trey Lance. But my opinion right now, at least what it seems like from what I've heard and also from what we've seen so far, seems like Trey Lance right now has a bit of the upper edge, but nothing too big to where it distances the two quarterbacks to have a definitive one and two. seems like the 49ers want to see what they have with both quarterbacks in that, I'll call it the Brock Purdy, it's the regular Shanahan package, not much running uh, not much running from the quarterback implemented in this offense. It's more so going through the regular progressions as a pocket passer. Which quarterback feels more comfortable? That's the question they have to solve within the preseason games, with the joint practices, but more importantly, with the two weeks that they get in training camp. And so that I think that that's question number one. So I would not be surprised once again if we see that even split carry on for a bit of uh, for a bit of training camp. And I prefer it the way that they've done if they're doing an even split rather than the way that they did it with the center position last year. What do I mean by that? First of all, I don't want to see guys get the one and two reps on the same day. Allow a player to grow through his mistakes, go through an entire day of reps with the same unit instead of being uh, thrown into a situation, you know, a, a consistently changing situation. Allow one guy to get the one reps the full day on day one. Allow another guy to get the reps on day two. Last year when they had the center position with Jake Brendel and Daniel Brunskill competing to start, 
They they were flipping every two series, and that just doesn't do the quarterback any favor. Doesn't do the offensive line around the center any favor, and especially the center any favor. Allow them to get consistency because that's the number one way you're going to be able to solve or at least get a better picture in that short sample size. That's what it kind of has to do. Uh, that that's what I believe they have to do if they continue with the split. Now, I think that you know going into this offseason. There is a chance that any of these three quarterbacks could start week one. And training camp, I think, is the first step to that. We'll hear, I'm sure, more about Purdy and his timeline as training camp uh, uh, inches in. But talking about the 49ers and their two quarterbacks, the other two who are vying for the backup spot in Darnold and Lance, I'd expect a one split. Do I like it? Not necessarily. At least I, I, I think that right now you do want to see what what – you can get out of both quarterbacks, so I can understand it. But I do think that Lance does have the upper edge a little more, and it seems like Shanahan, you know, Shanahan, that's his guy. If if Lance is your guy, allow him to be the QB1 for, for training camp. This is for the backup spot. If Lance is your guy, show the confidence in him. As you've said, uh, you know, match your actions with your words. That's kind of what I have to say about it because they've said that he continues to grow. They've said over the past few years how they've been unwavered in their support of Trey Lance and things like that. The one issue that they've publicly said is the experience. Well, you've got the perfect opportunity right now to give him the experience. And so if if that's truly the, the, the lone factor holding Lance back, Give him the number one reps and see how it goes along. And if it, you know, if you don't like the the returns that you see, you've got the proven option in Sam Darnold, who's still there. I understand the value, obviously, of having, you know, um, both guys get reps with all members on the team in terms of the first and second team, uh, depending on what your role is. But that's kind of my take on the situation. If you're true to what you are saying. But I, I think this is a make-or-break offseason for Trey Lance. I, I, I really do in terms of if he's able to come out, play well, and earn himself at least a, a chance to win that week one starting job, be it because of Purdy's out or whatever reason, then that's the only way, in my opinion, that he can really establish himself as a 49er starter unless the injuries come. I think the 49ers, once they go to Purdy, I think they'll stick with Purdy, um, barring injury. Just because, you know, they understood what they got out of him last year. And it's not that they believe he'll return to the same product this year in terms of that. I, I'm assuming they hope he gets better. But it's also a part of Shanahan's MO that, you know, he'd allow that quarterback, especially after seeing what he's seen, allow that quarterback to go through the mistakes, whereas that might not be the case with the other quarterback um, that they start. I think he he's more willing to allow Brock Purdy to go through mistakes, given that he understands that Purdy can de- deliver him wins and a, a high-functioning offense, although there are some flaws there as well. I don't think he's that as comfortable about that with Lance or Darnold, which is why the leash would be shorter if either of those guys are there. And it's an unfavorable situation. Darnold, because he doesn't know the offense as well. Lance, because, you know, he hasn't had the experience and will need time to grow within games to really start to eclipse uh, or, you know, get to that full potential. That's the big thing. That's the big issue. And that's really the big conundrum with the quarterback situation as we near to really it's starting to begin to unfold. That's kind of my take on it right now. We'll see how it goes. And I'm excited to see both guys compete in training camp. 
excited to see the rep uh the rep distribution and really the entirety who who are they building relationships with receivers wise how is the offensive line flowing with each guy how do the intangibles kind of fit in with each guy all these different type of questions that's where i'm looking to get uh you know that's where i'm looking to really see what goes on in terms of everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How training camp unfolds. That's one of the biggest questions at camp. Let's move on, though, to some of the other questions. But before that, I do have a comment here from... Greg is Khan. He says Lance knows the offense. Donald has experience. Seems like they cancel each other out. Lance getting the edge due to investment. 187 says Sam's a more developed quarterback than Lance, but we'll see. And Khan follows with the expectation for Lance is enough to show uh, warrant a team-friendly extension to continue to develop under Shanny after declining his fifth-year option. Let me pause real quick and go back to this comment because it's essentially like a Jordan Love-esque extension where it's a win-win for both sides. You get a little more security if you're the quarterback after getting your fifth-year option declined. The team gets it at a more team-friendly rate than the $22.8 million you'd have to shell out for a fifth-year option. It's essentially a two-year tryout if this would happen. The only thing, though, for me is Lance, to show that he could warrant this, he's going to have to start for at least a majority of the season. That's the way I look at it. Because I don't think that Lance can do this while starting only a few games. I, I think he's got to be able to start uh, for a majority of the season, be it him winning out the job at some point or due to injury. That's the only way that I believe that this scenario happens because I don't think the 49ers would shell out that $15 million um, per year to a quarterback when they have another quarterback on a cheaper deal that is still going on in Brock Purdy. They got an extra year of an extra year under Brock Purdy's contract. That's the way that I look at it because the 49ers, the entire point of this of this quarterback situation where they ended up trading three first round picks to select a guy at number three overall, and then also, you know, with Purdy now uh, on his contract, the entire point of this entire experiment is to maximize the championship window by taking resources away from the quarterback position and pumping it in to other key positions where the 49ers have paid premium contracts at wide receiver, at running back, at offensive tackle, at, um, what do you call it, at tight end. That's four key offensive positions. And then you look defensively, they've paid multiple at defensive line. They've paid one at linebacker. They've paid uh, a cornerback in excess of $14 million a year. And so the reason they're able to pump so much money into these other deals is because they're taking away what other people, uh, what other teams are insulating into that position, they're taking away those resources from the quarterback position. The only way you can do that is a guy on the rookie deal, and that fifth-year option is the step from the rookie deal to really what quarterbacks are now valued. I think, though, if Lance shows enough, they would absolutely do this, just because you are finally starting to unearth some of that potential. You realize that that potential is still there. And now you can get two more years of team control as opposed to the one. You can get two more years of team control at a, at a, at a cost that you're willing to afford for 
that chance to unearth the potential before making a decision later on. So that's the way that I look at the situation. But again, it's a complex quarterback situation with a lot that's going to unfold within the uh, in the next two weeks as it, as training camp starts. And that's what the excitement really is all about. That's um, a, a good point here, and I like the, I like the take about potentially giving him a Jordan Love S deal. That's kind of the way that I look at it, though. Now let's go over to, um, excuse me, let's go over to the biggest questions of 49ers training camp. And let's start, let's just go down position by position before we end today's show. Quarterback, I pointed it out. Running back, I'm going to share my biggest question. Who wins RB2? I've talked about it before. Elijah Mitchell is there. He's a very talented runner when he's on the field. Question is, how much is he going to be on the field? And also, how comparable is he to Christian McCaffrey? Because the 49ers seem like they want to implement that Christian McCaffrey type package when Elijah Mitchell, or sorry, when the backup is on the field. Jordan Mason has started working in it, you know, becoming a better receiver, uh, hopefully is becoming a better pass protector as well. Which guy can, uh, can, can facilitate that role as well? And also, what will be the split in the season? Are they going to heavily um, utilize McCaffrey, understanding they now have him for 17 games instead of eight? Are they going to – what's their plan at running back? I think that's going to be the question. At wide receiver, do the 49ers carry five or do they carry six? I know it doesn't seem like that big of a question, but in my opinion, I don't think Danny Gray is going to be uh, ready enough to compete for that slot position. I think that that's a 20-25 thing. I think it's more so there are two candidates ahead of him. And I think the 49ers have their five receivers set in stone. And the guys that they had last year, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, and Danny Gray. But they've got a couple of intriguing options. Tane Martin's a guy who I really like, some somewhat like a Kendrick Bourne, a, a solid route runner, a guy who has good hands, a guy who's got solid size, a solid enough size, you know what I mean? Ronnie Bell's there. He's a guy who they drafted in the seventh round this year. They've got a couple of options that you know could could fit into this roster as that special teamer guy. Do they look to carry five and save a roster spot where they could use it elsewhere, potentially? you know, in that third quarterback or another position where they've got a lot of depth, or do they look to bring six back and uh, take a flyer on one of those younger guys? At tight end, my biggest question heading into training camp, how long will it take before Cam Latu or um, our seventh-round pick, Braden Willis, get to eclipse Charlie Warner? I've made the take heading a, a month ago or so, heading into camp, that I believe Charlie Warner will start on day one as the number two tight end behind George Kittle. I just think that when it comes to the tight end position, it's very similar to the receiver position. It's very, the most important part is the blocking aspect. Once you're able to block in this offense, then your receiving abilities can start to, you know, start to, excuse me. But what I'm talking about with the tight end position, once you're, uh, blocking abilities are really able to take a, uh, start start taking shape. That's when the 49ers trust you enough in this offense to go ahead with your receiving abilities. That's what they initially saw in George Kittle back when they drafted him in the fifth round. And that's also a big reason why Charlie Warner has been the guy over Ross Welly, despite really not having much of a pass-catching arsenal at all, while Dwelly has been a surefire uh, or sure-handed guy as a receiver from the tight end position. Latu, 
and Braden Willis. How long does it take for them to really reach the blocking level of Charlie Warner to where their overall skill set of both having pass catching ability and as a blocking tight end eclipses the skill set of Charlie Warner and really start we start to see the the draft picks in action at tight end. Another you know, a follow-up question would be, are they carrying four tight ends on the roster this year? Because Willis is a guy who I was higher on. Latu is a guy I was lower on. And I already talked about Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner. Those are two guys that, you know, could be intriguing candidates. George Kittle's on the roster as well. Do the 49ers want to let go of Charlie Warner? Um, not on the 53-man roster. How do they feel about him? But, you know, they carried... Or they carried four last year, carried Tyler Croft um, on top of Warner and Dwelly. This year, though, they've got two intriguing rookies, and I could see them carrying three if those guys show enough flashes going into the offseason and they you know, bank on one of the other guys heading to the practice squad. But they could also carry four if they're not, they, they don't believe enough in their rookies to be able to uh, be impact players come week one. And that means that Charlie Warner has to take that week one role, like I said, which I anticipate. That's the big question at tight end. Moving over to the offensive line, it's not about the starters. It's about who is that backup offensive tackle. I, I, I'm, that's the biggest question. That's one of my biggest questions for this entire team. Because the 49ers have struggled with, uh, you know, with some injuries to their to their offensive tackles in the past. Mike McClinchy has missed a full season before. He's had some injury issues. Trent Williams is elite. Will miss though three or four games a season just because of some health concerns or just because you know of the uh, of his age. Got to get him rested and things like that. And so to me. The 49ers need a competent option at left tackle, at right tackle, that swing tackle role. When you look at it, the guys who they tr are trying out right now at those positions, Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor, and Leroy Watson, I don't think any of them are that capable of really manning down a backup op uh, a backup spot on this team. I don't like any of the three options. Would not be surprised if the 49ers go in free agency. And I would even advocate for that, especially if a guy like George Fant's there for cheap on a one-year deal, would advocate for going after another guy, understanding that that position is going to be important. You need a guy who can be versatile. You've lost your versatile guys like Daniel Brunskill in the past. A couple of the backup right tackles have gone. And now you're stepping up with Colton McKivitz as well at the helm. I think you need a little more security at offensive tackle in the backup spot, and I don't think that it's currently there on the roster. One of my most concerned spots in terms of depth when it comes to the 49ers in 2023. Greg Khan says Feliciano can play right tackle, center, and offensive guard. I don't know if the 49ers want to flex him out, though. They've moved him at center and guard in this offseason, but I don't know if they are looking to flex him out. I don't think that that might be you know, the best Thing for their offense. We'll see exactly how the offensive line rotations come along in training camp with the three different teams, but he's an option, but I think they view him more as an interior option. I don't know if he's going to be a guy who they consider at tackle this year. Let's move it to the defense, though. Defensive line, the clear, concise option is Drake Jackson. What's going to happen with him? Can he show enough or do the 49ers have to dip in the free agency pool, use some of that coveted money that they can move into next offseason, but use some of that coveted $10 million and really go after a free agent edge rusher on a one-year deal? Is that the best option? Is that the best option? That could be, but it really depends on what Drake Jackson does. 
The good thing is the 49ers are in a position where I don't think that they're too rushed. What do I mean by that? Well, there are a lot of options still on the board, albeit some older options. And additionally, I think the 49ers are fine with going into training camp and allowing Jackson to develop throughout the entirety of training camp, understanding that a guy who they sign is likely to be able to contribute as soon as possible. And so they don't necessarily have to integrate them into the defense and things like that. It's a guy, uh, they'll likely sign a guy who they believe is comfortable to start or not start, but play immediately. And so that's a thing that I can see. That's my question on the defensive line. Kali goes back to my wide receivers question here. Asks, any chance Tay Martin can beat out Ronnie Bell? I do think there's a chance. I do think that. Martin's a little bigger. Um, I believe he's around, if we're about to search it up, I believe Tay Martin is around 6'3 um, or so. He's got a good frame. Yeah, 6'3", 185. He's got a really good frame, and it's up to the 49ers because they only have one really, like, you know, big-bodied slot guy. Danny Gray is that type of guy. He's His build is more so of a Ronnie Bell. So they could go for a bigger guy, a guy who could feature well in contested uh, catch areas, but a guy who could also run routes very well and have surefire hands. That could be a guy who they, you know, that could be a guy in Tay Martin who they already had in the offense for a full season as the, in the on the practice squad. Guy who they really could look after, understanding that Ronnie Bell, a seventh-round pick, you know, they could likely try and try and stash him on waivers. That could be an option here. I think there is a chance T. Martin can beat out Ronnie Bell, which goes back to my question. Are the 49ers looking to carry six or five receivers? Because that sixth spot could really determine whether a guy like T. Martin, a guy like Ronnie Bell, one of the youngsters who have some potential but really haven't tapped into it yet, can get a shot. At linebacker, it's not necessarily fully relating to a specific player, but it's do the 49ers run with uh, three linebackers in sub position or in sub packages, or do they go with the third safety? Because the 49ers at linebacker, right, the loss is Ezel Shire, a guy who fit in seamlessly into their uh, sub packages. Warren Burke seems primed to fit that role. Dimitri Slanigan fouls on the team alongside a couple of other emerging candidates. But the 49ers might trust their safeties more, especially with the emergence of Jair Brown and the comfortability of Talano Hufunga and even Tashawn Gibson in the box. I think that that is the case that the 49ers could look at. And so to me, I, 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 I'm interested to see, do they even try and debut some of these three safety packages with one guy in the box? In training camp, what are they looking at? And also, if not, who's the third linebacker that they are most comfortable with? And how does that position group rule out? From linebacker, we go on to cornerback. And the number one thing is, who's going to be the top backup? Just like offensive tackle, the 49ers cornerbacks have tend to miss some time in the regular season. Trevarius Ward, you know, he's dealt with a couple of injuries, even a couple of in-game injuries. And I think that is going to be a little bit of a concern sometimes, or at least an underrated concern, not necessarily a full-out concern, but more so of an underrated concern. And so I would, I, I'm, I'm looking at that backup cornerback spot. Last year, Diamond Lenore really flashed. Flashed way harder than Ambry Thomas leads to him securing a starting spot in this team. Who's going to be that flasher this year? Because they've got two guys who I believe um, could make the 50, or three guys that could make the 53-man roster. Likely two out of the three end up on the on the list. But it's Ambry Thomas, the guy who you know we've seen some issues with over the past few years, but have heard good things about this offseason. It is Darrell Luter, and it's also Samuel Womack. 
interested to see the competition between those three and how the rotation kind of fills in as we start going into training camp this uh, this offseason. Last but not least, the safety position. To me, it's how how early does Jair Brown see the field? Because Jair Brown is a talented player, and he fits very well with what the 49ers want to do with safety. Sean Gibson, on the other hand, an older player, a guy who the 49ers committed $2.25 million of guaranteed money to, and a guy who played well alongside Hufunga last year, has the experience in the system, has the experience with the playbook, has the experience alongside Hufanga as well. But I wonder, do the 49ers feel comfort- comfortable enough excuse me, to get their top draftee on the field in 2023, I, I think that you've got to find a way somehow, especially if it continues at the trajectory he is currently in terms of being a ball hawk, but also being a good player in coverage. That's something I'm looking forward to. And that's my final question of the day there at safety. Before we head on out, I want to see some of these comments here. Greg Khan says, might be tricky getting Bell through waivers, whereas Martin has already. That is true. Bell was a seventh-round pick. Martin was an undrafted free agent. Could be the case. Um, I wonder how many teams outside are looking for that last receiver spot and go through waivers for that. But that could be that. That that is an intriguing argument for sure. Where you know, T. Martin especially as well has not necessarily been in the spotlight that much. Uh, Ronnie Bell has a little bit more understanding that teams evaluated him coming out of the coming out of this past draft and could have potentially signed him to a lucrative deal if he had not been drafted in the seventh round. This is a good take and this is a take I had last year and I probably will carry over to this year. The 49ers back in 2021, I believe, traded Jonas Griffith. Got uh I think they exchanged seventh round picks or it was Griffith in the seventh for a sixth. I think the 49ers have the capability to move a linebacker this year. I'm going to go with the guy who I said last year as well, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, a guy who will likely shine in preseason, a guy who could be ready to take the next step and get a bigger role on a different team, but also a guy who is a special team stalwart, which a lot of teams and a lot of fans, first of all, go on uh, underappreciate, but a lot of teams could be interested in this offseason. Would not be surprised if the 49ers trade a linebacker. And I said my pick, like last year, is going to be Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. But guys, that is going to do it for me. This has been a fun, near 40-minute episode. I thank you guys all for sticking around, tuning in. Be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe because training camp content is coming up soon, and I'm going to be there giving you guys my live analysis every single day. But until then, we're going to be back on some shows. Going to have one later this week, likely. Hopefully, Marco rejoins the fold after dealing with some personal things. But we're going to be back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.